Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another stay-at-home podcast. Uh, I'm Tyler Higgins, and I'm going to share some thoughts this morning with you about, I, I think, what God has been sort of speaking to me or giving me just as an encouragement in um, a time where things are kind of uncertain and life has been a little frustrating and... Um, yeah, I just wanted to spend some time this morning reminding us of the hope that we have in God. When you are standing in complete darkness, light is something that you realize very quickly can be taken for granted. I remember traveling up to Stevens Pass on several occasions with a group of friends, and just down from the cabin that we stayed in, uh, there was this abandoned train tunnel. And it must have been, I don't know, two or three miles long. And when you entered the tunnel, it was pretty cool. All the light that was at your back gave you enough confidence to sort of start walking into this extremely cold and dark, uh, kind of wet train tunnel. Um, But it gave you enough confidence because you could still sort of see the light that was behind you um, piercing the darkness that was in front of you. But the further that you progressed into this very eerie um, train tunnel, it it didn't take long before that light that was behind you was no longer helping to resolve the darkness that was in front of you. And by the time that you were like a quarter of the way through the tunnel, you really couldn't see your hand um, if you held it right up in front of your face. And if you had the courage to keep going, uh, by the time that you made it about halfway through that tunnel or so, uh, you were just starting to make out this really small little pinpoint-sized light at the other end of the tunnel. And I wouldn't say that I'm like a huge worrier, but in the middle of this very pitch-black abandoned tunnel, you start thinking of all the things that could go wrong. What if this, like, caves in on us? I mean, what would we do? How would we get out of here? Or what if we get into the middle of this thing and there's like a crazy animal in here and wants to eat us? (laughs) Or, you know, what if there's like a creepy guy just like camped out in the middle of this tunnel and we're going to be the products of some sort of crazy horror film or something? I don't know. I admit that rational thinking and logic have a way of becoming like a fleeting memory in these moments, but it's amazing if you keep on going, the light at the end of the tunnel really does live up to its cliché. It becomes a beacon of hope. I learned a while back that the way that the Hebrews used to tell stories in the Bible uh, went something like this. Beginning of the story, middle of the story, and then the beginning again. I found this to be helpful as I was trying to understand the stories that I was reading in the Bible. Um, Whether I was reading about people, places, or the promises of God in Scripture, a trend always sort of rose to the surface. The story would begin with a powerful person or a powerful image or symbol, and then typically that powerful image, person, or symbol would be forgotten, and God would use a new version of the same symbol to tell his story again from the very beginning. Today, I want to look at just one of those many symbols that is used in the Hebrew scriptures, and that is the symbol of light. Light is arguably one of the most familiar themes in the Bible. In fact, the story begins with it. After God looks at the earth, formless and void, and darkness over the face of the deep, God speaks over that darkness, over that void. He says, let there be light, and there was. 
God saw that the light was good, and he goes on to separate that light from the darkness. And on the first day of creation, there was evening and there was morning. After that, the the story really explodes. If you have an artistic mind, you can just envision God speaking the animals and the oceans and the land and the plants and the trees and the mountains being formed by the sound of his voice. And God started his story with light, and from there came a whole and new creation. The further God's creation gets away from this light, though, the more it becomes behind them, It's as if they're walking into a dark tunnel, quickly forgetting their source of light, where their hope comes from. I think also of the story in the Bible when Israel began their journey into becoming a brand new nation. They're no longer slaves in Egypt because the Pharaoh had finally released the people out of the hands of their oppressors and has listened to now um, many pleas for Moses to let his people go. And, and God does something in this story. Instead of taking the quick way out of Egypt, he leads the people into the wilderness toward the Red Sea. God goes before the people, it says, and leads them through the wilderness with a cloud in the daytime and none other than a fire to light their way through the nighttime. God was getting ready to use this group of people to be his instrument for hope for all the nations of the world. And I don't think it's a coincidence that their story begins with another example of let there be light. If you're familiar with the Bible stories, you know that after their escape from Egypt, God gives this new people a covenant and instructions to build a tabernacle. And the tabernacle was essentially just a big tent. Being that this was something that could be moved, the tent didn't have any windows. And the first thing that you would see as you entered this tent off to your left um, was a golden lampstand. And its primary purpose was to give light to this very dark windowless tent. And it was to shine on the table of showbread, and it was never to be put out. So the oil and the lamps, the leaders of this group of people would actually keep the oils always supplied in these lamps so that the, the fire would never go out. It was, a, it was a fire that would burn 24-7, being a constant reminder that God would always be with his people. Now, eventually, the people of Israel would stop wandering. They would settle in their new home, Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was a city that was in Israel, it was, it was set up on the top of a hill, and at the height of that city, Solomon, the third king of Israel, was instructed to build a permanent house for God. And in that house, Solomon used very detailed instructions given to him by his father, King David, to build 10 golden lampstands that would be what gave light to this very extravagant, very (laughs) otherwise dark (laughs) uh, building house of God. And aside from the practical light that the lamps gave to the room, there was also a symbol that the temple of God would be a light in the darkness, and the people of God would be a light to all the nations of the world. But even the temple, as magnificent as it was, could not keep the people of God from becoming selfish, forgetting that they were instruments for God to show the world how much he loved his creation. And so God begins with another story. But this time, the light of the world would be God himself coming down in the form of a human. And it was Jesus that said of himself in John chapter 9, verse 5, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. 
In John 8, 12, he also says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The light of God came into the world, and even though in many cases the world would not recognize it or accept the light, God came anyway. And my favorite part, and the thing that I think is the most surprising to me uh, every time I read this, is that God says of the church in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, he says, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Now, this is a huge statement because just as the temple was set on a hill in Jerusalem to be seen as a beacon of hope, God is now declaring that we, the church, we are now that place that people come to experience the presence of God. So scary as it may be, the story continues because people that believe in what Jesus said have chosen to step into that dark tunnel believing that the great light that came before them now shines through them. In a time when there is so much darkness and so much hopelessness, so many people that cannot see, we have the honor, we have the privilege of helping people see. From the beginning of the story, Adam and Eve were placed in the garden that harbored the very presence of God. Their responsibility of being fruitful and multiplying, I think, was more than just having kids and their kids having kids. I really do believe that that statement was God saying, I want you to take what you've experienced in the garden, and I want you to let it invade the world. But the middle of their story, it gets muddled with things that distract them from the true light of God. They allow the darkness to overshadow that light and overshadow the hope that God had shown them right there in the garden. Similarly, the people of Israel who were called to be a light into the nations, experiencing not one but two times where they're exiled from their land and the very temple that God gave them as a place to experience his presence, they're literally, that temple is stripped away from them. But God doesn't give up on his people. He doesn't give up on his story. You see, when Jesus comes and says that he will tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days, he's taking a familiar piece of the Israelite story and starting that story again. Beginning, middle, beginning. By Jesus becoming the light itself and piercing the darkness, he conquered sin and death once and for all. And then when Jesus declared over you that you are the light of the world, he commissioned you to carry that task of bringing life and a new beginning to God's story to this generation. Maybe you're listening to this and you feel like you're far enough into the train tunnel that the light behind you has become so dim it's hard to remember. Or maybe you're not as confident as you once were um, to continue walking into unknown territory. Perhaps the darkness has you discouraged. I know that there's a lot of that right now. I've talked with people who have lost their jobs. I've talked with people who have lost employees that they felt very responsible for. I've heard stories of how isolation has really gotten so unbearable that people have even taken their own lives because they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I've seen so much hatred and just so much anger that there are times I even want to give up myself. And then I remember that scene in The Passion of the Christ when Jesus, who is 
very bloody and very beaten, is carrying his own cross up that hill to Calvary. And he says to his mother, behold, I am making all things new. Beginning, middle, beginning. That newness is what I want, but I have a suspicion that it's going to come with opposition. So here's my prayer. Instead of adding to the darkness with my words or with my actions, instead of joining the angry narrative of division and hatred, instead of buying into the lie that I don't have any hope to offer anyone, my prayer would be that, like Christ, I will bear the burden of this time and that I would be a light in the darkness. Listen, our world has so much fear about the darkness they're living in. If we could just provide a little bit of hope in that tunnel, I have to believe that that small amount of light will help carry people forward, give them something to strive for, to live for, and that ultimately that light that would shine over their life, God would look at and say, it is good that they would be those that would say that as well, that they would say over their own lives, man, this is good. For all the reasons that we have to complain and all the reasons that we have to be frustrated, it's in this season where I would challenge us to look to the light of Christ that lives actually inside of us and that we would step into that responsibility that Jesus spoke over us when he said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Jesus, I would ask this morning that you would give us the confidence to not only know that you are with us, to not only know that you shine through us, but that you would give us the confidence to speak the words that you want to speak to people, that we would believe that the light and the source of light doesn't come from ourselves, but it literally comes from the throne room of God. And that you would use us to be beacons of hope, instruments of peace, so that the people that you have created would come to know how much you love them because your church was willing to be a light in a dark place. Amen.